Welcome to this very exciting screening of the 1957 science fiction epic, They Came From Beneath the Sea. Directed, written, produced, edited, and poster designed by Michael Oldbay, we can see a disputed genius at work, learning his craft with virtually no budget. And for the first time, actors David Coyne, Wendy Donegan, and Jamie Nash have broken their silence. They have provided us with some exclusive commentary regarding the creation of this legendary classic. And remember to stay tuned for a post-credit sequence. So, sit right back and you'll hear a tale. A tale that will change your life forever. Ahoy, I'm Jamie Nash. Today I'll be playing Captain Chesapeake. He's kind of a cross between Quint from Jaws and Leslie Nielsen from Naked Gun. You can find out more about me on Twitter at Jamie underscore Nash. I am Wendy Donegan. I am playing Tulip Soft, a Kent Island local obsessed with finding the answer to world peace uh, through nature and her uh, self-taught science experiments. My name is Dave Coyne. Uh, I'm playing Nathaniel Bow. He's the local sheriff. He's been in a position of authority his entire life, and he's going to keep things by the book here. You can find me, I think, still as DC Loogie online, if you're so interested. It's late spring on Kent Island, the crabbing capital of Chesapeake Bay. The sun is just over the horizon. It's early morning. And this camera on shore can see one lonely crabbing boat bobbing out in the bay. Captain, can you describe your boat? My boat is a derelict ship I once found. A lot of plywood and, you know, I fixed it up a lot. You know, it leaks a lot, but it still floats. That's, that's the best as I could describe it. I sleep in it, so it's big enough to sleep in. Probably not big enough to have a big party. Normally, I uh, throw some traps off the edge, light up my pipe, sit back, wait for the crabs to come to me. And as we see you now on the boat this morning, after some time of throwing out your traps, it's still fairly early in the day. I think you're with your bird, Bruce. Can you tell us how you look today? Generally, when I'm out crabbing, I forget about shaving or bathing in general. I usually smell a little salty. I like this, you know, the, the ocean water kind of covers up the stink. The bird likes it. Uh, usually the bird sits by my side. Uh, I, I feed it and I just sit here and chill. I don't have any shoes on. I have my captain's hat, getting some sun, shirt off, you know, just chilling, having a great time. What does Bruce look like? Bruce is a little, uh, he's, he's a little orange bird. I'm not exactly sure what kind of bird he is. I don't care much for birds, but he's always around. So he's the closest thing I have to a friend. He, he listens to what I say. He doesn't talk back. So far, so good. The traps are set. They're out. And now you're just sort of waiting a little bit longer for the right time to start to pull them in. This corner of the bay is sort of your secret spot. A lot of the other crabbers don't really know of this area. They're all out in the, the famous places, the places where they have to fight over their crab. So it's a little bit surprising when you see another crabbing boat sort of turn 
the bay coming into sight a little bit further out. From this distance, you can't quite recognize it. Luckily, I have a, my trusty periscope at my sight. I'm sorry, a telescope. I have a telescope, not a periscope. That was back from my submarine days. I, we don't talk about those. <laughs> so I pull out the telescope and stretch it out. It's a little foggy, but I, I kind of take a look to see what, maybe if I can get a read on what kind of boat, if it has any passengers, if it has a name even, maybe a name I recognize. That might be survival as a skill and as an attribute, maybe intellect or maybe cunning. You can, you can justify it. You can say, I'm going to use these because of this. There's a part of me that thinks maybe my piloting skills uh, and, and lumping it into captain skills might come into play here. Um, it's something, you know, I'm used to doing, uh, using, I, I know the tools of, of uh, the ship here. But then I think, I think also what comes into play is intellect because it's also uh, mixing in my deductive reasoning and things like that along the boat. Pilot and intellect. That makes sense. Roll 4d10. Okay. Uh, 110. Yeah, that'll do it. You take up your spyglass, do a little bit of focusing, and you can see that the name of this ship is the Unsinkable 3. Unsinkable. Hmm. We'll see about that. (laughs) uh, It's not one of the ones from the local community. It looks like there are two men on board that to be pretty focused on looking below them into the water. Wonder what's caught their interest, Bruce. Unsinkable three, huh? Well, I see two of them, so it's weird. So this must be the third ship. So that means probably the other two sunk, which is suspicious. But they probably didn't know that when they named the boat that it was going to sink one day. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over to my to my captain's area, and there's a large bell nearby. I'm gonna ring it. Dong, 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 dong. I'm going to ring the boat. I'm not going to do the horn. I'm just going to ring the boat to see if I can get their attention. Is it far enough that I can yell over to them? You can. It's pretty far, but you could probably yell and they would at least hear you whether or not it would be a clear message. Okay. Hey, this is my spot. Clear out. These are my crabs. Yeah. And through your spyglass, you can see that one of them looks up over in your direction can't hear what he says. Looks like he's talking to the other guy and sort of points over to you. And they sort of look in your direction. And something starts to feel a little strange. It's like there's a sudden wave of humidity that washes over the boat to such an extent that it feels like you might actually have wet skin and not just humid skin. And Bruce looks very uncomfortable, starts moving from side to side, looking around. His chirping has stopped. And you can start to hear the sound of bubbling, almost like the beginning of boiling water on your stove. Bruce, I think it's happening again. This isn't good. I I hurry up and go back back to the wheel and start the engines. I'm going to try to move the boat and get out of there. Leaving the crab cages where they are, but no time. Just rush to the captain's area, start the boat up, take out of there. Boat starts. Uh, did I ask you the name of your ship? Uh, it's the Minnow. The Minnow. The Minnow starts up just fine, uh, just the way you've, you've trained her. Uh, and you start to move out of this spot. And as you start to move, you can see that the ocean itself is not bubbling, but you can still hear it. Hmm. And you I'm... start to hear some 
some raised voices from the other ship. That's what I was going to say. I'm going to look over to the other ship. What's going on with them? How are they reacting to this strange phenomenon? They are starting to panic and run around the ship, and it looks like it's starting to tilt towards its side. Like it almost wants to roll over without there actually being any significant waves right now. Hmm. Well, I'm terrified. It's my captain's duty to go rescue them. I'm going to turn the boat toward their boat and head over just in case something bad happens. Maintain a distance, a safe distance. I don't want to get caught in their wake if they go completely under. But I need to be close just in case they need somebody to throw a line. So you start to change your trajectory, start to aim the boat, aim the minnow towards the unsinkable three. Bruce squawks, hops up and down, and takes off and starts to fly towards shore. No, Bruce, come back. I chase after Bruce and yell to Bruce, come back, come back. So you change the boat to go after Bruce? Or would you? Oh, I leave the wheel, kind of letting it go, but then run out after Bruce. Bruce has left the deck and looks like he's headed right towards shore. The boat is still sort of moving towards the unsinkable three. And you can hear their screams get louder and you can hear a cracking. And when you look back and the camera moves back towards the unsinkable three, we can see it almost in half sinking beneath the water. And the two guys have jumped off and are treading water and starting to swim towards shore. How far away are we from shore? Like, will they make it to shore? Is it is it a long way? It's not that far. And if they're decent swimmers, and if you work on a crabbing boat, you should be a decent swimmer. This should be okay. I'm going to cut the engines at this point. And I'm going to, because I'm going to stay near the boat just in case somebody's trapped on the boat that might need my help later. I'm going to, and I'm going to just see if I can look at the hull to see what possibly could have caused this catastrophe. Roll your, your piloting plus your intellect. That's four. Okay. I got a nine and a 10. Yeah, that's good. From the first time you looked through the spyglass, this looked just like a regular crabbing boat. But now that you look again, and now that it is cracked and sinking, the inside doesn't look like a crabbing boat. It looks like this is some kind of a high-tech something or other made by those, those interfering fools in Washington that just want to get inside your business. This looks like maybe it was some kind of secret government boat. There's too much technology in there for it to be a crabbing boat. Damn it, all the hell. What are they up to? I'm going to go for my trusty Polaroid camera that I keep right by the steering wheel just in case I ever get evidence of that thing destroyed the boat many years ago that I was crabbing on and all my friends. So I'm going to grab that Polaroid and I'm going to aim it at that part of the ship and take a picture. Polaroids don't have the best zoom. That is correct. If you want to guarantee a good picture, you might have to get closer or you can just stay here and see what you get. Damn it. This picture will suck. I put the Polaroid down and I steer the boat closer to the to the wreck, even though I don't want to get too close, because who knows what's on there? It could explode. So I'm going to get as close as, as close as I can, not risking it too much, maybe about 20 feet away from the boat. I'm going to try to navigate that close. As you are getting closer, those two guys start to swim towards your boat, like they're expecting someone to rescue them or something. But yeah, you are close enough to get a Polaroid off. So first, 
because priorities are first. I'm going to get that Polaroid. As you so you you step away from the wheel, uh, and you you walk out to get a good view, and the boat is much of it is under the water at this point, but you can still get an okay picture, just enough to see that there's something suspicious about this boat. There's no big empty hold where all of the crabbing boats uh, store their catch. That's for sure. How close are these swimmers to me, these, these people that abandon their ships? They're pretty close now. If you keep drifting towards them and they keep swimming, you should be able to pick them up. Okay. I'll shake out the Polaroid first, get it dry, and then I'll hide it because who knows? These government people tend to be classified. So I'll stuff it down my my cutoff jean shorts and I stuff it down there and then I steer the boat back toward these two people overboard. Give it, give the engines a little nudge, just a little bit of speed, nothing, nothing too crazy, but just, you know, get me going. Now is the other boat underwater at this point, or is it still slowly at this titanicking its way underneath? Yeah. At this point, there's a lot of bubbling. There's a lot of churning, but it's pretty much going down now. Okay. As the boat's drifting toward these people, I'll go find my taped together, patched up life preservers. They're kind of janky. They're kind of patched together. I have just enough. I probably have, I probably have two or three of those on the boat to throw overboard so they can, they can grab a hold. Yeah. You start to move around. You start to grab your, your life preservers. And we cut back to the camera on the shore, which shows those, those two men swimming right up. We can see you throwing down the life preservers. They're starting to climb on. And we can see Bruce flying straight towards the camera and past the camera. Uh, as the camera lingers for a moment, we hear a voice. Tulip. Tulip, did you hear me, hon? You got my order? And we cut. And there's a camera outside of Krabby Diane's, Kent Island's number one seafood diner. And we can see through the big front window that there is a waitress inside standing in front of a booth with a customer. What does this waitress look like? She is in her early 20s. She's wearing pants (laughs) and she has long hair that's tied back. She is attractive, but not in a kind of made up way, but in a uh, healthy and outdoorsy kind of way. The customer at the booth has gotten her attention. She's sort of snapped out of it and looks down. Now, you know this this customer. They, they're often in. Who is it? It's Carl. You heard me? Did you, did you get my order, Tulip? Yes, Carl. You order the same thing every day. Eggs over easy, two slices of toast, and black coffee. I've got it. Don't worry. Oh, you, you didn't you didn't write it down. Did do you need to write that down? No, I just repeated it back to you. You get the same thing every time. All right. Well, all right, I guess I do. I have to ask you this though. Where do you stand on these high school kids and their prom? Well, I think it's great if the kids want to get it get together and dance around, but I don't know about this crazy music that they're talking about. I think it might get them into some trouble. Couldn't agree more. And this year. I'm particularly not looking forward to their music since they're moving it out of the auditorium and onto the beach. That's right near my backyard. They're going to be up all hours listening to that, what they call music. 
oh, I didn't know the kids were going to be on the beach. I mean, of course, I boycotted my prom, but it's the way that many of these silly girls find their husbands, I suppose. What part of the beach are they going to be on in your backyard, you say? Yeah, just down, um, you know, if you go if you go down to uh, State Beach there and right. you uh, you sort of take the, the left around where the big tree is by the rock mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. And I know why they chose that point. First, they chose it because they knew it would annoy me. And second, they did it so that nobody could see what they're up to from the road. Oh, that is so sneaky. Well, listen, Carl, if you want to try and come up with a plan to foil their prom dance on the beach there, I'd be happy to come up with a plan with you. Oh, well, that's a that's a good idea. We should ruin the prom. Can I borrow that pencil? I'll, I'll make some notes on this napkin here. Sure, right here. Let me uh, let me think about this. And then when you uh, when you bring me my coffee, I'll have some ideas, I think. All right. I'll think of some ideas, too. As you walk away from Carl, Diane sticks her head out of the back and sort of motions for you to come over. Hey, Diane, how are you? Well, I've been better. You want to see what those dummies up in Fells Point sent this time? Oh, yes, please show me. So she leads you down uh, through the back towards the walk-in fridge, opens the cooler door and says, what am I supposed to do with five crates of seaweed? They sent you this seaweed? Yeah. I didn't even ask for seaweed. I asked for lettuce. How else are you supposed to make a taco salad if you don't have lettuce? Well, my goodness gracious, Diane, they obviously just made a mistake. But if you'd like, I'd be happy to just take the seaweed from you so that it's not hogging up all this space in the fridge. We know that they're not going to give me a refund and they're not going to admit that it was their fault. If you want it, you'd be doing me a favor. Well, I would be happy to help you out, Diane, anytime. Can you investigate this seaweed? Yes, I would like to investigate the seaweed. Intellect, I guess, and yeah, I guess medicine, because I am, I'm using it as part of my experiments. I'm experimenting on seaweed right now. Roll five D10s. So a 10 and an 8. Yeah. You've only seen this seaweed one time because you've gotten to know a lot of the seaweeds around here, especially, you know, pretty much anything in the bay you've seen wash up on shore when you go out swimming or something. But you haven't seen this kind of seaweed in years and has kind of a little bit of a red tint to it. So exactly why it's here, why someone sent it to a diner to be used for food seems curious. That is strange. And if I'm not mistaken, the last time I saw red tinged seaweed like this was shortly after my parents died. And I'm pretty confident that it was a result of a naval test of pathogens that have been sprayed into the bay. So is it possible that the Navy is trying to test this pathogen again, but instead of just right in the water, now they're trying to spray it on our food? Diane rolls her eyes. Whatever. Just, uh, I don't need it here. If you want to bring it home, and if you want to blame the Navy for seaweed, that's that's up to you, Tulip. Sorry, Diane. I didn't realize I was thinking out loud. Just ignore what I said. I, I'm sure it's just a mistaken delivery. Um, but I, I'll take it home and get it out of your way. Uh, whenever you can. Hopefully, we'll, uh, I'll, f- I'll have to get my the, ca- the, the lettuce from somewhere else. I got to make some phone calls. All right, good luck. I got to get Carl's coffee. As you walk out 
of the walk-in cooler towards the coffee. The camera stays for a moment and slowly zooms in on the box of seaweed. An unsettling tune plays almost like uh, as though a shark was coming. (laughs) And then over that, we hear some knocking and knocking again. And we see a sheriff waking up to knocking from somewhere else. What do we see as we see this sheriff awaking this morning? Uh, this is the, sh- the sheriff, Nathaniel Bow. Uh, and as tempting as it might be, do not call him Natty. His high school gym teacher called him Natty once. Once. Sheriff Natty Bow is a man of uniform. And as any man who has the honor to wear the uniform he is, all buttoned up, every crease is ironed out. You could bounce a quarter off his ass, but if you did, you'd be arrested for sexual harassment. He's in his small apartment uh, that's actually located on Kent Island. And uh, he's wondering, why would somebody be knocking on my door? Usually people make appointments to come see me. But he makes his way to the door and uncovers who it is. He's a man uh, who's ready to face whatever's on the other side of that door. Peephole? What is this peephole you speak of? (laughs) Uh, You open the door, and there is uh, an older woman standing there. And she looks like she's holding a casserole dish with some foil over the top. I think she came into the station yesterday. She's got big, bright, rosy cheeks. And uh, a smile that sort of twinkles in her eyes. Mrs. Calvert. Yes! Oh, you remember! Good afternoon, Sheriff. Uh, Photographic memory, ma'am. Photographic memory. It comes with a job. Uh, Something smells really good there. Oh, this is for you. This is a cranberry cobbler. I made it for you this morning. Just a welcome to the island sort of gift. I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate the gesture. However, it's not really wise to surprise a sheriff in his his domain uh, without making uh, an appointment. I would appreciate if you either call ahead or we um, uh, schedule something before popping over. Oh, I I understand. She sort of pushes the casserole into your hands and tries to walk past you into the apartment. Uh, 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 Mrs. Uh, I'm sorry. Is is there something else I can help you with? Actually, yes. Uh, I'm sorry for interrupting you this morning, Officer Ricky. I stopped at the station first, and Officer Ricky said that you weren't in until afternoon, and I just had to get you this this cranberry cobbler before it got too cold. You should put it in the fridge so it can get the right kind of cold. We're all looking for the right kind of cold. (laughs) Officer Ricky did tell me to pass on that he was able to find that scuba gear you were looking for. I think he said it was in his shed at home. Or maybe I wasn't supposed to tell you that. I don't know. That that's fine. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate you relaying the message, uh, Mrs. Calvert. Uh, uh, but I, I was uh, on top of it uh, already. Is is there anything else I can help you with? Absolutely, I have. And she reaches into her purse and she takes out a little notebook. I've been making some lists. Slow of, and easy, Mrs. Calvert. I've been. Yeah, I mean making, the reaching. Oh, well, you've only been with us. Um, Oh, gosh, has it been two weeks yet? Uh, It's coming up on nine days. Right, right. And she writes down, nine days. Uh, I just wanted to prepare some notes for you about what you can expect here on Kent Island. Just some suspicious people that you might want to be on the lookout for. 
there's been some increased traffic ever since they built that Bay Bridge and people from Baltimore start coming over more than we, well, more than many of us would like. And so I just wanted you to be ready uh, from when tourist season really starts. So I've made a list and I've drawn, she flips through her notebook, and I've drawn some maps for you about some areas that I think are of particular interest. Did you want to go I, over my notes now or should, is this uh, what you want me to make an appointment for? That won't be necessary, Mrs. Calvert. In fact, you could uh, you could leave the notes if you like, oh. or you could drop them off um, drop them off at the office. Yeah, I can absolutely. Oh, I had two other things. Um, first, I don't know what's wrong with my car. I got here and it seems like the engine just went out on me. Uh, Officer Ricky said that you are pretty good with technology. Would you mind? Helping, helping, uh, helping me out. I could pop the, the hood for you. Come down and take a look for me. Sure. Let's go take a look at your car. If that's going to have you on your way, Mrs. Calvert. So what would you do to see if you can understand what's up with this engine? I guess technology and an attribute. Mm, I suppose intellect does seem to be the only two that apply. Um, six D tens. I got one ten. Uh, I don't know how well you know uh, combustion engines, but it seems just like being here and poking around a little bit, the car turns over just fine. Excellent. That should do it, Mrs. Calvert. Um, you should be uh, you should be fine at least for at least for the day uh, enough to get you home. Appreciate you stopping by. That's thank you so much. Uh, now, my last favor. Can you stop by Krabby Diane's in about an hour? I have. Well, I have something else to talk to you about, but I need, I, uh, we should do it there. Is that all right? Yes, yes. I'll, uh, I'll be, be there uh, promptly uh, in, in 60 minutes. Uh, however, I just should warn you, Mrs. Calvert, that um, the reason I'm wearing this uniform and Officer Ricky is wearing the uniform is because, uh, well, we don't want citizens like yourself getting in over their heads, so to speak. So... Um, I will meet you and, uh, uh, perhaps we can, um, put your mind at ease. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sheriff. All right now. Bye-bye. And she drives away. He immediately throws the, uh, the dish that she brought over out because he's, uh, uh allergic to it and, and highly untrustworthy of anybody bringing him desserts. And the camera lingers on the, uh, the cranberry cobbler dumped sideways in your trash can. Nice. Uh, I remember um, feeling really sorry for the woman who had to uh, constantly whip up a new batch of cranberry cobbler each time we threw it out. The, the look on her face was, uh, was kind of devastating, but um, uh, by the end of the day, we, uh, we had all uh, had a bite and it was, uh, it was really delicious. At the harbor, the minnow is tied up at shore, and it looks like the the two men that Captain Chesapeake has rescued are talking to the harbor master. They're inside his his office. They're talking loudly. I I think I reach into my pants and pull out the Polaroid. I take a closer look just to see. I kind of kind of take a glimpse because I have some suspicions about this. 
this boat and why it went under. This is a kind of an investigation to see if you can get more information out of this photograph. Is there a skill and an attribute that you would use? I think there's possibly some skills. Enigmas could be a skill depending on what, what's going on here. Yep. Um, there could be some stuff. Science might be another skill. Are you the kind of person that looks for enigmas or that looks for science? I think I more look for enigmas. Okay, then roll 2d10. Three and a four. You know, in the moment, this looked like a really clear picture. But now it got smudged a little bit in your pants. And it was, uh, the, the camera was jostled just a little bit. And as you stare at it now, something doesn't quite feel right. And your initial impression that this is not a typical crabbing boat is still there. You still believe that pretty strongly, but you can't quite figure out what is beneath that. And as you stand there on the deck of your ship, you hear a voice from the shore. Hey, look, it's Captain Creepy. And there's these three kids standing on the shore. These, these kids are just these jerks. They might be like six years old. They might be 13. Who knows with kids? Look at Captain Creepy over there. Why does he even, where do you, where do you find your boat? Captain, I'm going to go over to. The, I walk over to these punks. Do you leave the boat, or do I leave you... the I leave the boat? Okay, they're kind of uh, snickering and poking each other, and then as you start to come down, they don't quite look afraid of you, but they all sort of back up a little bit and look around to see if there's anyone else. But everybody's still out on the water, so it's a pretty clear dock right now. I walk up to him. I say, "Hey, you kids." Buzz off. Oh, I guess we better buzz off then, Gary. Yeah, I guess we better. Oh, wait. Before we go, Captain, I think I've got something for you. And Gary starts to, like, reaches into his pocket. He's looking for something. And then he pulls his hand out and he throws something at you. And you might have a moment to try to get out of the way. No, I want to try to catch it. Because that'll show him. Gill and an attribute. Athletics, attribute, dexterity. 2d10. Sounds like trouble. Eight and a six. They are super impressed when you whip your hand up and catch this thing right away without even knowing what it is. Suddenly their eyes open wide. Okay, all right, we're going. We're going. We'll see you later, Captain. And they kind of like hustle away. I look at the thing uh, side eye while keeping an eye on them. It is a shrimp. And you feel your hand start to itch. I toss it on the ground and immediately run to the, to the side of the pier or whatever I'm on and stick my hand in the, in the water to clear it off, clean it off. You start to scrub at your hand. You can hear the kids laughing as they run away. Stupid uh, kids. <laughs> the itching is still there, but it looks like you started to wash this away before... Your allergy was really triggered. I pull it out and stick my hand in, in my pocket and head back toward where those men and the harbor master are. They are talking. Do you, just, you can absolutely get right up to them. What, what is your plan for approach? Are they outside? Are they just are they, they in some building? Yeah, they have one of those little booths that's sort of mm -hmm. on a pier. Uh, so there are some walls, but the door is open. So you can probably hear them before you're right there. I'm going to go up to the harbor master. I'm going to kind of yell past them. And I say, hey, I got a missing bird. 
that I need to see somebody about. The harbor master, Dennis, looks over at you and says, What'd you do? You, you saw a bird? Yeah, I'm a pet bird, Bruce. Oh, He's Bruce. Can you describe the two people I rescued? It's hard to tell exactly how old they are. They've got some flat tops, well-groomed, no facial hair. They're wearing generic-looking clothes that a crabber would wear. It's almost matching sweaters uh, and, and denim. These two scallywags here scared my bird Bruce away. I need somebody to help find it. He flew off. That's an important bird to me. He's like family. And Dennis sort of looks at you. Sorry about your bird, but we're go- we're about to run a, a salvage here to get these uh, these gentlemen's boat back. Don't really have anybody here right now that can help you find a bird. And one of the other men starts to tries to hold in a laugh. What's your problem, pal? Never had a bird that you were in love with. <laughs> he brings his hand up to his mouth to try to stop laughing, and the other guy. Doesn't look like he's finding anything amusing. Now, look, Captain, we really appreciate you uh, you giving us a hand back there. I don't know what happened to our boat. I'm sorry about your bird, but you got to believe me. We didn't, Whatever happened to our boat, we didn't do it to frighten your bird. What kind of boat was that out there? Sorry. Didn't look like no ordinary boat, at least none that I've seen around these parts. Nope, that was just an ordinary boat. Is a regular, ordinary boat. That's, that's what it was. At this point, I'm going to try to persuade the harbor master to go somewhere. See those two kids back there? I think they were doing something to your car. They made some joke. I heard, overheard them laughing. I just wanted to let you know. Uh, skill and attribute. Well, persuasion has a zero. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say presence would be a good one for this. 110. You mentioned his car. And he, like, takes five steps really fast right outside and stops and sees the kids walking towards the parking lot. And he says, oh, I am going to I am going to give them what for. I'm going to give them what for. And he starts running. I'll give them what for. Go get, go get them. Go get them. I turn back to the other two. Listen, I got a picture of your little boat. It's hidden. I'm not going to tell you where, but I know exactly what I saw. Now, you either tell me why you're here, or I'm going to show that picture. And it's a good one. It's clear. It's focused. Came in perfectly. You either tell me why you're here, or I'm giving it to the harbor master. Yeah, you're going to need to, to roll persuasion. <laughs> My on favorite. That. As you say this, yeah. they suddenly don't find anything amusing. Okay. So you might need two successes on this one. So just one success, a nine. The guy who was laughing. Looks like he's unsure of himself. Looks about dartingly. The guy in front just goes cold and grim. Says, if you have a picture of our regular normal boat, I would appreciate that you hand it over. It might come in handy as we uh, salvage our craft. Well then, we have a bit of a problem. Because I want to know what you were doing with the you-know-what when you showed up here before you sunk. Uh, The guy in the back starts to open his mouth, and the guy in the front just says, I am afraid that I do not know to what you are referring, sir. I see. So I reach into my pants, and I slap the Polaroid into his hand. 
There's your little picture. Take it as a souvenir. And I head back to my boat, intent on going out to the salvage area before they get there. As you walk away, the camera does a nice little two-shot of both of them looking down at the Polaroid and then looking up at you and then looking back down at the Polaroid. And we cut back to Krabby Diane's. Tulip, it hasn't been that busy of a morning. Kind of light. Tourist season hasn't really started yet. Getting towards lunchtime here. Maybe it'll pick up a little bit. Carl is finishing up his breakfast. Every time you've come to his table, he's only had one thing written down on his napkin. He wrote bazooka and question mark. And then every time you've come back, there's been more doodles on the napkin. And when you finally come to clear away his dishes, he says, I only, I only really had one idea, and I'm not sure if I can get a bazooka. But I'm interested in hearing whatever you have. Well, listen, Carl, the bazooka's a great idea if you can get your hands on one. The only mm. problem is everyone's going to know it was you. Now, my plan is a little bit more sneaky and underhanded. I know that if you take vinegar and pondweed and mix it together, it will attract horse flies like crazy. So I can make up a bunch of this little mixture. We can put it all around the area where those kids think they're going to be dancing the night before. The next day, once the sun comes up and hits it, that place is going to be alive with horse flies. Well, Tulip, I feel as though I need to say you and I should probably be spending more time together because that is genius. That is a genius idea. And he starts to write down vinegar. He almost spells it correctly. And then pond. Pondweed. Water. Oh, weed. Mm -hmm. Pond weeds. Weeds. Mm -hmm. Okay, weeds. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start to drive around the island and I'm going to look for all the weeds I can that are growing in ponds. I'm going to bring them back to my place, and then you come over, let's say, for dinner, after dinner. We'll just spend all night together making some vinegar weed mixtures. Carl, darling, you think this is the first time someone's come up with a little plan like this for me? No, no, no. Several problems. Number one, you don't just get weeds everywhere. Number two, I'm the only one who actually knows the proper mixture. And number three... I am not staying overnight with you. Well, wouldn't have to be all night. Carl, do you want me to help you out with your little problem on the beach? Well, yes, absolutely. Then you're going to have to leave it to me, and I will see you tomorrow for breakfast, and the next day, and the next day. But I'm not going to see you at night. Oh, well, all right. He stands and leaves a, a nice tip. Thank you, Carl. All right, I'll see you tomorrow, Tulip. Mm-hmm. And you can watch Carl as he exits Krabby Diane's, goes out and gets in his car, and into the parking lot pulls Mrs. Calbert. It takes her a moment to get out of the car and come on in. She sort of looks around. There's not too many people here. Tulip, did you, um... I had something I wanted to talk to you about, but, um... I'm not sure. Do you have, have you taken your break yet? Do you have uh, 15 minutes for your break? Well, it's pretty slow right now. I'd be happy to see what's going on. 
All right, just um, give me give me a minute, and then if that's possible, that would be great. Uh, sure. Do you want to talk outside, or I can get us a booth? Oh no! Oh, I'll go. I'll go have a seat, and maybe um, maybe half and half while while we wait. Okay, I'll get you half and half. Great. Thank you. Thank you, dear. Sure. Nathan, you arrive at Krabby Diane's, and you see Mrs. Calbert inside at a booth. Uh, all right, let's get this over with. <clears throat> Mrs. Calbert. Uh, oh. Yes, you had some information you wanted to relay to me. Yes, absolutely. Oh, please, please have a seat for one moment here. All right. Okay, and she's looking through her purse. Says, mm. oh, give me one moment here. I'll just have a coffee, ma'am. Oh, yes, Tulip. Is this a good time? Yeah, certainly. Absolutely. That's what I'm here for. Okay, great. And uh, she stands up and ushers you into her seat and says, This is the new sheriff. He's single. Sheriff, this is Tulip. She's uh, one of our brightest. She is also single. And uh-huh. um, I'll see you both later. And she leaves. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Calvert. Um, and she's uh, out the door. Uh, <sighs> I, uh, I actually take, take the initiative. Excuse me, uh, ma'am. I, I, I have to uh, follow her. I take the initiative to follow her out the door. Yeah, you jumped up right away. She is in yeah. her car, and the car is starting. Mrs. Um, Calvert, M- Mrs. Calvert. Oh, uh, I see the see the car still works. That that's awesome. But you mentioned that you had some some important details about uh, some particular locations that you wanted to share with me. Oh well, I dropped all that off at the station with uh, with Ricky. No, no, the the you, this is so that you can meet Tulip. That's the purpose of of our meeting here. Yes, we we want you to feel at home. We want you to meet people. And I've been asking around. I know that you're single, and I know that she's single, and she might, um... Well, I have to go. Don't be rude. Go back in there and have a coffee. All righty. All right. Well, uh, well, we'll see you again. And she's uh, gone. Sorry about that. I, I thought she, uh, I thought she had something else to do, to discuss. So uh, I'll just take the black coffee. Thank you. Well, Sheriff, you're not the first boy who's afraid of me. Welcome back. I'll get you a coffee. Oh no! Make no mistake. It's not. It's not fear, ma'am. I just. Uh, I'm uh, a lot of official business going on uh, in my head right now, and I. I really don't have time for um, frivolities. Mm, mm-hmm. Official business is going on in your head. That's where. The yes, that, I, that that I can't discuss. Uh, so. Then why did you mention that you have business going on if you can't discuss it? I mean, naturally, I would ask about it, right? Yes, I. I suppose you would. That's sort of a weird thing to say if it's truly a secret. Well, it's just that I didn't want you to get the idea that uh, I had any other ulterior motive uh, to meet you here. This was uh, all purely Mrs. Calvert's idea. Um, And so I I think I'll just have a black coffee and then be on my way. (laughs) Well, that was certainly clear. It was not my intention to meet you either. But in any case, if you are now the sheriff of this island, it's very nice to meet you. Um, you know, I certainly know everyone I've been here my whole life. So if you ever have any questions, you can certainly come and ask me, you know, I do have a question actually, now that I have your ear, Mm -hmm. there is, um, what some folks might consider an odd captain that, uh, is a resident of this Island. What, um, what do you know about him? You know, he's a crabber, a longtime crabber. 
Hmm. Boat is horrendous. Let me just tell you, my canoe that I built myself is much a much better water vehicle than whatever he's got with his boat. But you know, it does stay afloat, and he's out there all the time. But he's a little strange. I don't think he would actually be up to criminal activity, but I also I can't see. say he's up to a whole lot of good either. So he could be someone to keep your eye on. I see. Well, thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. How much do I owe for the coffee? Four cents, please. <sighs> Keeps the change. Ooh, a nickel. Thanks. And, uh, and as you contemplate uh, how to break a nickel and to get your tip out of that, a little orange bird flies in through the open front door and lands on the register. And you recognize this bird. I do. Hey there, Benji. I like to call this bird Benji. Hey, you know what Benji loves? He loves cherries. I'm going to be right back. I've got a cherry. I got a cherry for you, Benji. I run into the back and grab a cherry, hold it out to Benji, and he's able to eat it right out of my fingers. Oh, he seems very happy. Mm-hmm. And Diane uh, pokes her head out from the back and looks around at the, the quiet inside. And she says, you know, Tulip, if you, um, if you wanted to knock off early today, that would be, that would be fine. I, um, that seaweed's starting to smell. Did you, could you, would you mind, um, if you still want it, could you, uh, I'll let you go early if you can get it out of here now. Well, certainly, Diane. I can tell it's starting to smell a little bit. I, I'll take it. And, you know, I've got a lot of work planned this evening, so I really appreciate the extra time. Oh, it's Bruce. And Diane walks up to the little bird and chirps at him. Says, hey there, Bruce. What are you doing here? I like to call him Benji. Bye-bye, Benji. And she looks around and says, wait, wait. Is the captain here, too? Did I miss the captain? You know, um, I haven't seen him. His boat's out. Uh, I think it's out there. At least I saw it this morning when I made my round. Oh, that's so strange. I wonder, you know, every once in a while, Bruce flies flies this way and settles in. But usually the captain's not too far behind. That's, that's true. I don't see him out there. That is unusual. Hey, Benji, what's going on, bud? He sort of flaps over and uh, and lands on your shoulder. Oh, he's trembling. If I didn't know better, I'd say he's scared. Maybe he is scared. Benji. If it's not too much out of your way, if you if you are going to knock off early, maybe drive down by the harbor and see if you can uh, see if you can find the captain. See, see if something happened to him. That's strange that Bruce would be here without him. That is strange. I pet Bruce's back or Benji's back a little bit. I hope you're OK, buddy. Alrighty, well, I'm going to go get that seaweed and see if I can figure out what's going on with, with the captain. Sheriff, I don't know if, if you're busy right now, but uh, it really is unusual for this bird to be here without his owner. Be is worth this the first time uh, this uh, orange Bruce Benji bird uh, has shown up in the, in the diner like this? Well, it's actually unusual for a bird to fly inside a residence. What has happened is that sometimes he and the captain would come together and Bruce would fly on ahead. But I've never seen him arrive without the captain. Does something doesn't quite feel right about this. That is curious. Um, 
Let me just have a quick closer look at this bird. Uh, I used to be a bit of a, a birder when I was uh, younger, so I'm just going to try and uh... Bruce seems very suspicious of you. Does a half step away onto huh. its shoulder. I guess he's not in a very talkative uh, mood today. Well, that's great. Uh, Tulip, you'll, I'll help you um, pull that seaweed out. And then I guess, um, does it sound like the two of you are going to go down, see if you can find the captain, see if you can return Bruce to him? Oh, um, well, I wasn't necessarily planning on going with you, Sheriff, but uh, I guess if we're both going, we may as well go together. Yes. Yes, that would make sense. Uh, I'll drive. Um, maybe you could tell me a little bit more about this uh, unusual seaweed situation you have here at the, at the diner on our way. Yeah, I'll catch you up. No problem. And the camera cuts. I just want to tell you that that scene with that bird on my shoulder was not an easy scene. It kept wanting to fly away, even though the bird trainer promised us that the bird would stay. I think it pooped on my back like four times. I had to actually shake my own shoulder to make it tremble. Apparently making a bird tremble is not an actually easy trick for a bird to do. So I was very glad when we were done that day. We did like probably 25 takes of that scene. So I'm glad it's done. Ordinarily on a film like this, they'd have multiple uh, animals. Uh, but unfortunately, they just had the one bird and had to keep it in line, and it had to go through the 25 takes. It was, uh, it was a tough, tough scene. So the shrimp the children threw at me, we didn't have shrimp that day. So we had to go to craft services, and they only had prawns. So if you pause the, the video many years later, or you watch a picture <laughs> of, of the actual scene, you will see that it isn't a shrimp, but actually a prawn. The camera cuts, and we are back aboard the Minnow. And the captain, Captain Chesapeake, has found his way back out into the bay and is now approaching the spot where he's pretty sure this boat went down. I go to the side of the boat and look over in the area and see if I can see anything, any debris or any, anything unusual. Well, the air feels totally normal, the, just the way it did this morning. The sea is still fairly calm. The skies are pretty clear. And when you look over the side, you can't see all the way to the bottom. But there are some random bits and pieces that are sort of floating in the water around here, like a, like a hat. And there's an old jacket not too far away on the way to being washed up to shore. A few scraps of wood. Okay, but well, I'm going to go to whatever debris is closest to me and get my large crabbing net out that I have and, and see if I can scoop it up in my crabbing net. The debris that's probably closest to you at this point is a rain hat. It's just floating in the water there. Okay, I'll scoop it up. Have a look at it. Anything unusual about it? This hat looks pretty new. Uh, it's just been soaking in the water for an hour, so take this with a grain of salt, but it doesn't look that worn in. It doesn't look like uh, it's been used for, for some some time. It looks like someone bought a very nice rain hat and then lost it in the ocean. 
I'll throw that away on the deck and I'll move, I'll move to the next piece of debris. I'll, I'll steer the boat closer to the next piece. As you start to do that, two boats come around the edge of the breakers uh, and they're going pretty fast and they're headed in your direction. One of them is marked Coast Guard. I'm going to hide. I've hurried back to the helm Mm -hmm. and fire up the engines as fast as possible. I don't get along with these Coast Guardy types. I'm going to head back. I'm going to cut everything here and head back because I got a bird to find. The engines turn over. You start to change course. And uh, there's a little bit of a siren that comes up from the Coast Guard. (sighs) It looks like the unmarked boat is headed right towards maybe where this ship went down and the Coast Guard has changed course just a little bit to sort of come alongside you. Okay, I shut the engines down and I head over to see what they want. This is a small boat. This is a rescue boat. There is uh, a man driving and there's a man wearing proper ocean safety gear uh, in the back. And he is sort of leaning out as as the boat comes alongside yours and he yells out and says, can I ask what you're doing out here, sir? I was crabbing out here when the boat went down. I took the two, the two rescued uh, men overboard back to the harbor. But I came back because I lost some of my crab pots out here. Had to take a look. One moment, please. Walks back to the, the other man. They sort of have a brief little conversation. I'm kind of in a hurry. I got a missing bird to find. Uh, He holds up his finger for you to wait a moment. They finish the conversation. He comes back and says, well, sir, we appreciate you uh, helping these. um," And he looks back to the captain, looks back to you for helping these crabbing fishermen that seem to have had some engine trouble. But uh, we've got it now. We've got this going now. So uh, we appreciate all of your help, but uh, we can take it from here. That boat didn't look like a crabbing boat. Are you sure about that? Those men didn't look like crabbers. He looks they didn't even have Baltimore accents. So that's how you know they're not crabbers. He looks back to the, the captain of his boat, looks back to you. Uh, yep, they're crabbers. Or just fishermen. Fishermen crabbers. Crabbers who happen to be fishermen. And uh, that was their boat. Their boat was a crabbing fisherman boat. What might... Your name be, just in case I want to call up and give you a commendation for your good work out here. Well, you don't need to worry about that. If uh, if we need anything, we'll find you. You know, I would like to call up and tell your superior how hard you're working. He looks a little exasperated, looks back to the captain, looks back to you. Stan. Stan. Yes. All right, thanks. Thanks again. By the way, I got a picture of the boat. I gave it to the harbor master. Uh, I could tell you more about it. Uh, the captain comes out from his little perch. He comes out. He says, what, what, what now? You have, you have what? You have a picture? Yeah, I got a picture of the boat when it was going down. I got a really clear picture of what was inside of it. And it didn't, wasn't a crab boat at all. So somebody's not telling the truth. Sir, uh, we're going to accompany you back to the harbor. Uh, we're very interested in this picture that you have. Tell you what, let's just go together at a nice, comfortable pace. And uh, we'll, we'll both dock and we'll take a look at that picture you have. 
You know, I forgot. I didn't take a picture of this boat. It was this other boat that I saw earlier. It was a crab boat, a friend of mine that I saw. It wasn't this boat. I, now that I look at this area, I was, I was over in a different area. It uh, wasn't actually the boat that went down. This might so, be a persuasion. This might be a persuasion, yeah. <laughs> nope. The captain doesn't believe you at all. Well, that may be, sir, but I think maybe we should still go back to the harbor. Let's, uh, how about you just, uh, come on in alongside us and we'll, uh, we'll thank you properly for uh, rescuing those two fishermen. Okay. Seeing I have no choice, I decide to steer the boat back to the harbor and come up with a plan in the meantime. Camera cuts. Tulip. Where inside the sheriff's car did you put all of the uh, seaweed? I'm holding it in my lap. There's quite a bit of it. Do you yeah. want it, you, multiple boxes on your lap? Mm-hmm. All right. Sounds good. It does smell kind of weird. Something smells like uh, a little off about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be your imagination, but it it was a little bit red before. I don't know if it's a little bit more red now. It's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Sheriff, do you know how to get to the harbor? Yes, I, I am uh, very good with directions and uh, pretty much uh, scoped out all the locations uh, that uh, are necessary for my jurisdiction here. Uh, I am a little worried about the smell, though. The camera gives us a nice two shot of the two of you as uh, you have a couple of blocks to go to get down to the harbor. Mm. Bruce Benji is still sitting on your shoulder, Tulip, although he moved to the other shoulder to be a little bit further away from the sheriff. So, uh, marine biology, botany, or both? Well, let's just say I'm sort of self-taught. I do the experiments myself on myself. Although I do have a lot of research from journals from my parents that I look through. I understand. I look over and I notice Benji's apprehension so I'm also looking the sheriff up and down. I'm not so sure what to make of him quite yet. Yes, I guess one could say that we're uh, technically all self-taught in, in whatever occupation we do. It's up to us to absorb the information, process it, and, and utilize it in, in the best way we, uh, we know how. So I think it's just right up here. And uh, let's pull out and, or pull in or pull over. You notice that poor little wreck of a boat way out there? I see. The one that is now uh, pulling into the harbor with a Coast Guard accompaniment. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Wow, oh, there's something going on here now. Not expecting that. This is uh, Captain Chesapeake, is it? Yes, it is. Hmm. And I look and at how well do you know it? I know of him pretty well. We see each other in passing. I see him on the water a lot. We wave. Well, the bird like seems to bird take a liking to you. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love his bird. So I guess he can't be all bad if he's got such a great little creature. But I have to say, there is something off about him. I can't quite put my finger on it. You're a pretty suspicious woman. Uh, I am just an intelligent woman who has eyes. I understand that, but you were sort of interrogating me earlier with what was going on in my head, and and now you seem to... Uh, judge this captain as being a little off. No, it's fine. It's good to have that instinct. You might do well uh, on the force. Well, it's just natural observations, and I speak my mind. Very nice. Very nice. Let's go meet the captain. 
as the two of you are parking and getting ready to walk down to the docks, uh, another car leaves the parking lot. A classic black sedan. There are three men inside. All of them are wearing sunglasses. Two of them look like maybe they were a little wet at some point recently. And the one behind the wheel sort of looks over at you. Sheriff nods, and they keep driving. Did you know those men, Sheriff? Uh, no, not uh, not officially. Uh, I sort of recognize the uniform. What was the uniform, Sheriff? Well, I'm not really at liberty to say. Um, it uh, looks like the captain's here. The captain pulled up to the dock, and the Coast Guard ship has pulled up not too far away. One of the men on the Coast Guard ship jumps right down on the dock and starts walking with purpose around the side towards the captain. Before they get there, I'm going to stash my flare gun in my pants. <laughs> I think you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> is, yeah. is he close to us now? What's the, the proximity of, of the captain and, and uh, Tulip and I? I think that you can all time it so that uh, so that you and Tulip arrive right around when the Coast Guard is getting to the gangplank to board the, the minnow. I stash it in my pants and greet them at the gangplank. Ahoy, crew members! Captain Chesapeake, Sheriff Bo, nice to make your acquaintance. This is uh, Tulip, was it? Yes, we know each other. Hey, Chesapeake, ah. here's Bruce. As you can see, we'd like nothing more than to give you the bird. I take the bird and fondle it and give it kisses. I love this bird. I whisper to Tulip, you weren't kidding. And Bruce loves the captain. Uh, there's a lot of nuzzling going on. Why do you smell like cherries? Oh, I fed him a cherry. He came into the diner. You can't uh, but- feed a bird cherries. What's wrong with you, woman? Do you know nothing? Settle down, Captain. It's, uh, it, was just, Sorry, it was a harmless gesture. Apparently the, uh, the bird and her are uh, quite good friends. I've never seen a bird. He the whole cherry. He just ate the little fruit around it. Trying to kill little Bruce? He loves the cherries. That's why he came. He comes all every right, day. Right, I've been seeing him cherries every day. Let's just settle down here. Captain, if you don't mind, I'd like you to take a look at... A kind of seaweed, and with your knowledge, maybe you could... Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, we weren't going to talk about the seaweed right now. Seaweed? What yeah. kind of seaweed? There's, no, a, there's yeah. no seaweed. I'm a big seaweed aficionado. And I'm a sheriff, so we're going to have a look at the, the seaweed. In fact, at this point, it could be uh, considered evidence. And the, the Coast Guard guy who has been, like, looking back and forth between all of you finally holds up his hands and says, okay... That's that's fine and all, but uh, we have some questions for the captain here. Maybe the seaweed can wait. Oh, this is important seaweed business I'm on. I concur. Yes. And what jurisdiction do you guys have here? This is my island, my rules. Stan, the Coast Guard man, turns to you and says, um, well, Sheriff, uh, I represent maritime law. And crimes that are, occur out in the bay fall under my jurisdiction. And uh, we're here investigating a very mysterious incident that the captain witnessed earlier this morning. Now, as far as we know, he made some claims while we were just talking out there in the bay. 
about a mysterious photograph and about maybe witnessing the event that happened, just wanted to answer a few questions, maybe see this alleged photograph. Well, I don't uh, see why we all can't see that photograph and hear the answers to these questions. Do you, Captain? Well, I... I have an emergency scenario here. I have a sick bird. It's eaten cherries. I have to get it to the vet immediately. I try to push past them to see if I can just walk away. Well, now hold on a second there. Foil. I stop him. Is is your bird in dire need of medical attention, or are you or is he just upset that he didn't have his favorite dish? Both. I'm sorry about your bird, and I'm I'm sorry about your seaweed but I really need to investigate this incident that happened. So, um, well, I need to investigate something too. I think something fishy is going on around here. This so-called Coast Guardie said his name is Stan, but he doesn't have a last name. What kind of Coast Guard officer, skipper, whatever they call him, doesn't have a last name? Sheriff, answer me that. I'm afraid I don't have an answer to that. So what's your answer, Stan? Some people have one name. (laughs) I can't think of any celebrity reference uh, in the 50s. <laughs> Elvis? Oh, perfect. Well, he technically had uh, Presley, but but well played, Tulip. <laughs> what is this incident, though? Can, can you please let us know what exactly did you witness, Chesapeake? Well, that's not important, Stan says. Look, look, names and these sorts of details are just not, they're not a priority right now. The priority is seeing this photograph. Now, where is this photograph, Captain? I might have made up the photograph a little bit. I was trying to get information out of you and to hear about Stan. There may or may not be a photograph. Do you mind if I search you? Yes, I do mind. It won't take long. You're in cutoff jeans. Uh, Dennis, the harbor master, uh, holding a clipboard, sort of walks up, confused. Uh, what's, uh, What's all the trouble about over here? Captain, uh, Got a problem? Yeah. This sheriff wants to lay his hands on me. And he has Easy now. no motive. Oh, you're the new sheriff. And he yes. smiles. He reaches out, shake your hand. Nathaniel Bow, nice to meet you. Oh, it's good to meet you. I'm D- Dennis. Dennis, I, uh, I'm the harbor master. If you ever need anything, if there's ever anything I can do, especially with those tourists, if you just need to put some men together for anything, and he kind of winks, Anything you might need, especially with the tourists, I know some men who don't ask any questions. Welcome to the island, Sheriff. And he slaps you on the shoulder good-naturedly. Uh-huh. May Tulip notice some odd things floating in the water and step away and go for a swim? Absolutely. There are some things floating out there that are not super close to the shore. What is your plan? My plan is to go and investigate what might be floating in the water. And I have goggles on me. (laughs) Yeah, you have some some state-of-the-art 1957 goggles. Okay, I'm a very good swimmer. So you see things floating around out there. So let's say that this is, uh, what is your plan to get out there and see what you can find? I just want to investigate what's going on. I suspect that this incident that they aren't giving me any answers to, that the stuff floating out there might have something to do with it. So I want to go find out for myself since these men aren't giving me any answers. What's your skill? What is your attribute? So I guess my 
skill would be athletics. Attribute would be stamina. Roll six. Two threes, five, four, nine, and ten. It appears to uh, this group of men arguing about something or other here on the dock. Tulip is just sort of annoyed with this conversation. What do they see, Tulip? When you've had enough of this sort of standing around talking, what do they see? They see me slowly step away. I take a few steps back. I wait. I see if they notice. But they're so involved in their male discussion and bravado that I'm able to keep going, take another step and another step. And once I'm about 10 feet away, I just walk away and I walk towards the shore. I pull out my state-of-the-art 1957 goggles. I put them on and I dive in and start swimming. So in your waitress uniform? Mm-hmm. All right. So you guys see um, see her put on some goggles, uh, wait out, and then jump into the bay and start swimming. Woman overboard. I run back on my boat <laughs> to go to the rescue. Now, now, wait a minute. In the stand says, I don't know what she's doing, but... This is this is not a priority. We uh, she looks fine. We just have to talk about this. I need some information. I start the engine. Can't hear you. I run back to the sheriff's car and pull out a box of the uh, reddening seaweed and uh, bring it up to. Uh, I guess the captain's gone, so I, I bring it up to the uh, the coast guard guy and, and ask him if uh, if this looks uh, typical or, or unusual to him. So he's standing on the dock, his back to you as you come up, and he's sort of like yelling towards the captain, who is like. Uh, taking off <laughs> right, and like trying really hard not to run Tulip over as he turns around. <laughs> right, And uh, so when you come up to Stan, he sort of turns around and looks at you and says, I said, what? What happened? I'd like you to take a look at the seaweed, sir. It's, uh, it just seems very, un- the smell and, and the, the visual, it's just, it's just very unusual to me. Is there anything you can, can tell me about it? I'm sorry. I, we have a suspect that is now fleeing from me as I try to question him. I, I, I'm I, sorry, I'm not a seaweed man. Do I look like a seaweed man? A I'm little not. bit. I see you're very funny, Sheriff. I'm not a seaweed man. I'm a regular man, and I'm just trying to do my duty. And he starts to walk back to his Coast Guard ship. And the guy, who, the other guy who's on the Coast Guard boat is sort of looking at him like, what are you doing? Why'd you let that guy get away? He's like, I don't know. We got to go after him. Let's go after him. What is your given last name, Stan? He stops. He's, he is on the deck of his boat now. He stops and he turns around and he looks, make sure that the coast is clear. And he motions for you to come closer and he starts to root around in his pockets. Easy now. Slow and easy with the pocket rooting. Now, this, this is not for public consumption, but you're a lawman and I can trust you. That you can. And he takes out a badge. Coast Guard Special Forces. This is, a, this is official government business here. I'm not at liberty to say exactly what the situation is, but you can trust in your country. You can trust in the president of the United States and the promise of America that this is important, that you can trust me. Well, if I can trust you, then I trust you have more answers than you're letting on. I'm the local authority around here. There's no reason why I can't be part of the need to know, because I do need to know. We're still searching for some answers about exactly what happened. And he looks over to the, the captain of the, the vessel. The captain sort of shrugs. As a courtesy, Sheriff, if you would like to come with us, we have to stop that man. And that, that 
that waitress who's swimming out across the bay. They can't get too close to this site. We have to... If you want to come with us, perhaps you can talk some sense into them so that we don't have to arrest them for violating maritime law. All right. That sounds like a plan. I'll go with you. Well, then come on board. I do so. And the camera cuts. Tulip, you swim very fast. You made a good roll. So you have to swim out a little bit, but everybody's still back at shore. And uh, you can sort of hear that when they realize that you were swimming away, voices raised. You could hear some yelling and some running around. But you have found yourself a little ways away with some floating debris. So we're seeing like a kind of a, a pretty big cloud of just wreckage and debris starting to drift into the harbor now. Yeah, so I look back at the shore and I realize that I probably don't have a lot of time because it looks like they're coming after me. They're not just going to let me swim on my own. So I feel like I have to be sort of fast in my little investigation here. So I look around and I do see some sort of personal items, like you said, a hat, maybe a jacket, maybe a, 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 a thermos that was sort of empty. So it had mostly air in it. It's floating. Mm-hmm. So it sort of dawns on me that something went down. Put my face in the water, look around, see if I can see anything. I don't see anything there. But I start trying to swim around to see if I can locate what must have gone down. You're sort of sifting through this junk, trying to find something. As you start to dive under to see if there's anything a little bit below the surface, you notice something that you didn't notice from above the water. A chunk of wood that looks like it was part of the hull that seems to have an abnormally large crab claw stuck into it. This claw is bigger than your arm. I pull it up out of the water. I hold it up and literally put my my own arm next to it and realize just how big it is. As I'm doing that, I notice Chesapeake's boat is coming closer. So I call to him, Chesapeake, have you ever seen a crab claw this big? I haven't. I don't know if he can hear me or not, but I yell as loud as I can and I hold it up. I gasp. Oh, Bruce, look, it's a Mondi. It's a Mondi. I'm hyperventilating as I steer the boat toward her, planning a quick rescue because I see everyone coming behind. So I steer the boat as close as I can get I throw her down a rope ladder since she's such an athlete. She can just climb right up it. So I, I realize I probably don't have too much more time before I'm going to get pulled out of the water anyway. So I figure maybe I'll take this opportunity to talk with the crab expert. Get so aboard. I sort of reluctantly, but I do swim over to the ladder and I climb up still holding the hunk of wood and, and crab claw. We're going to need a bigger mallet. <laughs> By God. I've never seen anything like this. This is unusual. I have once. <gasps> the night my father died. I was on a crab boat just near here about 15 years ago. The boat went down in the mist of fog and I saw flashes of things. Mondies, I call them. Sea creatures, giant ones, things of myth. No one has ever believed me of what I've seen. But now we have evidence. I'm going to take that thing back to the town and show everybody I'm not a fool. Giant crabs exist. Well, it's really interesting that you tell me the story, Chesapeake, because the seaweed that we mentioned earlier, 
had a red tinge to it. And do you know the last time I saw red tinged seaweed? It was right after my parents died. It doesn't matter. I just told you a story about the night my father died. I'm talking about when my parents died too. And I feel like there might be a connection. You're trying to top me. No, What's I'm wrong not. With you, woman? I'm trying to show that there is a connection. Just, oh my goodness, these men. All right, fine. You can focus on your own family, but I think there's there might be a connection We're here. We're talking about giant crabs and you're talking about seaweed. It could be poisonous seaweed, Chesapeake. Or whatever changed that seaweed to that color could be what's making these crabs huge. It's like weeds of the sea. This is a giant crab claw. It's astonishing. It could be a threat to all mankind. We have to alert the authorities or, well, I don't trust the authorities. But we have to do something. I'm not exactly sure what. Well, we definitely need to investigate further. What did you see? Tell me, what did you see? I didn't see much, but the night the boat went down, there were flashes of giant crab claws coming from the sea. There were tentacles. There were all kinds of weird stuff. It, it was a rainy night. It was hard to see. I couldn't really tell. But I saw something. And now you have proof. And that proof, I take the Polaroid out. You want to pose with it? Can you can you give me a smile? Say oh, uh, say crab cakes. <laughs> seaweed. Okay, okay. I, t I take a Polaroid of it. That particular crab claw will finally get me the respect Captain Chesapeake deserves. But Chesapeake, what did you think? Okay, so what did you see today? Did you see giant crab claws today? The incident today? No, no, no. I just saw a boat sink. It was nothing. No big deal. I couldn't even tell what it was. I was just kind of fishing around. It was my, you know, fish sense. I, I smelled something fishy. That's a professional opinion. I, I had a feeling something was up. So this boat sunk. And these two mysterious men who claimed to be crabbers, but didn't smell like crabbers. I rescued them and they vanished. I don't know exactly where they are. Well, maybe this giant, enormous crab had something to do with their boat sinking. Maybe we better head back to shore. I don't know if your little boat here is going to be safe. Okay, Miss Seaweed, don't you be making fun of the minnow. This boat's lasted longer than you. Aren't there Coast Guard following us or something? Yes. What is it? We what shouldn't is hear any minnow. Oh, no. <laughs> so why are, we, why are we talking so much? There's a, <laughs> there's a boat coming after us. Sheriff, you're holding the box of seaweed, the Coast Guard ship has pulled up alongside the minnow while the captain and Tulip have been arguing. Tulip, drop that claw. It, it might fall back into the sea. Well, then just set it down hey. on the boat. You should not be touching that claw. Well, you have I, no I, idea where it's from, what it can do, or even whether it's still alive. I know where it's from. Atlantis. <laughs> it's a theory. It's a theory Bruce and I have been working on. But the fact is, you shouldn't be handling it. It now goes in as evidence. Stan scrambles over the, the railing onto the minnow's deck and sort of stoops in front of this crab claw. Hey, Stan, you're supposed to ask for permission before you come aboard a boat. Do you know nothing about the sea? I'm starting to doubt you're even a Coast Guardie. This is unbelievable. This, uh... And he reaches out to touch the crab Don't claw. Don't touch it. Uh, it goes for anybody here. He looks to the two of you. This was just floating in the water? Where did you find something like this? Well, it was right down in the water with all, amongst all the other debris. I had to dive down for it a little ways. He looks back to the, the captain of the Coast Guard ship. The captain shrugs. Stan stands up. I think 
we need to come clean with you. About time. I work for the government. Mm -hmm. We have been long aware that there might be crabs like this in the Chesapeake Bay. But just like the giant squid, there have been rumors, but no evidence until now. Sheriff, we may need some assistance in salvaging this ship that went down. And since the three of you already know more than you should, I think we may ask for your help. Consider my assistance granted. I uh, would still recommend that we do not touch this claw, for we have no idea of its origin. We should wrap it up in something protective, or at the least handle it with gloves on. We this... don't even know if it's from this planet. <sighs> what? What? Have you seen a claw this size? You don't know. Nobody knows. Right now, it's all speculation. And if we just go digging our claws into claws, well, that just sounds like a tragedy to me. I think that the government is going to claim this claw on behalf of the United States. He turns to the Coast Guard, walks back to his railing, and he starts to confer with the captain over there. And they come back with a giant blanket. And he looks as though he's going to go wrap the, the claw in this blanket. Hey, this is my ship. This is, that's my claw. I'm a crabber, and that's a crab. I caught a crab. No, I caught it. It's my claw. This is my island, my law. Well, I think it belongs to the United States government, and I'm taking control of it until we can determine whether or not it is from this planet or not. Well, whatever you determine, you will have to keep us abreast of the situation. This is not something you can just sweep under the rug, like all of you people in Washington do. He wraps up the claw in the blanket and cradles it very carefully. The three of you should really consider what you're doing here. You're in over your head. You're civilians. Let the government do what's in the best interest of the American people and don't ask any more questions. Now you listen to me, Stan, and you listen to me good. There are only two kinds of people in this world. Me and the rest of you hockey pucks. And the last time I checked, you weren't me. Now, we have to live on this island. You can cradle this claw and put it in a lab and go back to your fancy pad in Washington, D.C. But as for us, we're the residents here. This is our home. For me, about nine days. But still, I live here now. Well, Sheriff, I think I would encourage you to continue living here. And he, uh, he gets over the railing back on his ship. I think that if the three of you know what's good for you, you find a new place to crab. You find a new place to go swimming. And you, Sheriff, just remember maritime law and that the government loves you. Listen, guys, I think they're hiding something. And that something is the thing that killed my daddy. But you got the best crabber on the Chesapeake right here. So if there's an arm, if there's a claw. Claw is the professional lingo for crab arms. There's a claw down there that's giant. That means there's a giant crab down there. If there's a crab, I can catch it. What do you say? The three of us. There may be more than one. Now look, if we approach this cautiously and strategically, I think you're right. We can't count on those government boys from Washington. We have to handle this ourselves. What do you say, Seaweed? I'm definitely in, and if you need any diving, I'm your girl. So I turn, and I... I give them a big smile. And I say, 
All righty, men. We'll follow your directions, just as you say. You take care of your government stuff, and we won't get in your way at all. Stan um, stands at attention and salutes. We all haphazardly salute back. And I pull a fish out of my <laughs> waitress dress. I, I take a picture of him with my Polaroid. <laughs> the Coast Guard is pulling away. The, the two men in there are, are talking frantically and kind of looking at this giant claw as they get further and further away. And the three of you watch them go, and we can cut that there. Well, I can tell you that swimming in the bay in that horrible polyester uniform and then standing out there wet and cold the entire time was the most miserable day that I had on set. And the props people weren't able to make a realistic looking fish. And so they literally had an actual fish to pull out of my blouse. It was absolutely disgusting. By this point in the picture, if you look at my legs, you can see in those short, short cutoff jeans, I get a wicked sunburn for the rest of the shoot. Horrible stuff. Took the makeup lady like 10 gallons of pancake just to cover up the red blisters. The rest of the cast fought for the wardrobe uh, for Captain Chesapeake to be long pants, but he insisted on cutoffs. I don't know if he had uh, some historical connection there or, you know, he was, uh, he was, he definitely did his homework for this character. and. Um, uh, he kept quite a few things in those uh, in those shorts. RPG Anthology is a part of the Actual Story Podcasting Network. To suggest a game for us to play, maybe one that you've written, go on over to the website and send us a message. Aaron Mixon is our announcer on this series of The Came From Beneath the Sea, she was also the announcer on the short-lived podcast, Jonah Fixes Your Shit, and she is probably very happy that this is the credit I am giving her. If you're interested in seeing something else that Dave, Wendy, and Jamie worked on together, check out the horror film VHS 2. In the segment, A Ride in the Park, Dave and Wendy are the good Samaritan couple, and Jamie is the guy who wrote it. They have multiple credits, and yet that is the one I'm going to tell you about. Horror film people playing in a horror film game. They Came From Beneath the Sea was developed by Matthew Dawkins and published by Onyx Path Publishing. You can find out more about the game by visiting theonyxpath.com or use the link in our show notes. So, I emailed Onyx Path and asked about doing an actual play of this game, and Matthew Dawkins wrote back. He recommended a few rule changes. If you are familiar with this game, They Came From Beneath the Sea, you will notice that we are not using stunts or tropes uh, as Mr. Dawkins recommended. Uh, and I think he did that in order for us to streamline this whole playing online with folks who don't know the game thing. Uh, those are very cool mechanics, and I hope to play this game a second time and use them. They're very cool. We're just not using them here. They came from beneath the sea... Uh, does get a little fun and crazy. Uh, Dave, Wendy, and Jamie all know a little bit about improv and are all big fans of Yes And. And if you're not sure what Yes And is, it's when I say something crazy and you say yes, and here's something crazier. This is a really fun game, and I hope that you enjoy it. And I will see you next week.